make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi melody. Got out. So, Thomas, you gonna ask the question? Rage? Hello? Oh, Scott. Oh, thank God you're here. Wait a sec. Where did you come from? Have you been stuck here this whole time? Where's Thomas? What about the ants? One, I just got here. Two, what do you mean this whole time? Three, Thomas is missing? Four, ants? Yeah, Thomas and I were trying to flash freeze a steak and suddenly we were knocked out. When we woke up, we found out we were the last two free humans on Earth. Well, two of the three anyway. Uh-huh. And then? Well, we found out that the planet was invaded, conquered, if you will, by an alien race of giant ants. Kent Brockman announced there was no stopping them and proceeded to help them find slaves for their underground salt mines. Are you sure you weren't just watching Simpsons reruns again? No, it was real! The ants were using giant robots to mine salt because they killed all the people. Thomas and I were on the run with the only other survivor. His name was Godu. So, where are these ants now? Well, Godu took us to some lab where the flash freezer was. He said that we could somehow use that to stop the ants, we thought. The snake was still in the freezer. Cryogenically frozen, huh? Yep. Uh, so we were kind of hungry after running from the giant ants, and Thomas offered to grill it up. So, we went to open the tube to get it out. But when we did, there was a flash, and we all fell asleep again. I woke up, and then I found you here. Where's Godu? Where's Thomas? I... I think I know. What? How? When Thomas opened up the tube, it let loose tachyons. The tachyons interacted with the Higgs boson field, creating a slip slipstream subspace inversion that sent you guys through time and space dimensionally to here. Oh. Time dimensional travel. Got it. So that means Thomas is... Lost somewhere, who knows where, in space and time. Oh, that sucks. It's going to be a real short review today without him. Oh, speaking of which, what are we watching? A knockoff of Planet of the Apes called Time of the Apes. And it looks like it's time. Ah, crap. You know, somehow I think Thomas got the better end of this. Wherever he is. Sci-Fi Melody, Symptom 246, Planet of the No, Time of the Apes. Welcome again, sickies, to Jokester June, and we are going back in time. We've been doing a lot of episodes involving Mike Nelson, but now we're going back to the earlier seasons with Joel Hodgson. And we were reviewing a knockoff of Planet of the Apes called Time of the Apes. And uh, this is my first time seeing it. And I'm going to be honest with you, Sickies. When I first saw this film, I had assumed that it was made in the 70s or late 60s as a ripoff of Planet of the Apes. And then I saw that it was made in 1986. 
and I felt a little ashamed because the costumes were, I thought, oh, the costumes are pretty good for the time being. And then I saw 1986 and thought, never mind. It's like, it's like they, um, what are those Halloween stores that pop up in old abandoned Spirit Halloween. It's like they had a budget at Spirit Halloween for the costumes and the props and the guns. And this and is the even, best they could do. And not even the high-end stuff at Spirit. Like the go into the rack and spend, you know, 10 bucks per mask. Yeah, and it looks like for camera equipment, they didn't even have the best cameras available in 1986. It looks like they went back and got, like, the film that Abraham Zapruder was using, that camera. Yeah, to make exactly. That's why I was saying it looked like it was made from the six, late 60s or 70s I, I say when that I first saw it. The, the armies of the future appear to be using World War I technology. Or <laughs> yes. worse, it's at some points. <laughs> well, that's all that survived after, the, after uh, Crankor came and zapped all the soldiers away, I guess. But <laughs> the helmets and the guns are the only things that survived, remember? But that sound you heard is me needing a drink to get through this review, even with the MST3K guys. Yeah, no, this is um, this was a rough one, even for me. Now, there, there were some really great jokes, and we'll get to those. But as a film itself, it was a Japanese knockoff of Planet of the Apes that was a very disappointing, very confusing mess. I'm going to be honest with you from a plot perspective, I believe that Turkish Star Wars and Turkish E.T. made more sense and were better films. I, I kind of have to agree with that. Um, you know, one of the j running gags in this episode from the guys, Joel and Tom and Crow, were, oh, and now we're advancing the plot. We're going to go outside and advance the plot. You know, whenever it came up to the chance that someone would say something like, we should go this way, and Joel would come in and say, and try to advance the plot. Or stretch, stretch the plot out. And there's a reason they kept asking that because the movie never does. Um, I guess with that, you know, I'm going to give the fun facts here because the fun facts are basically two, two fun facts. And the reason they kept saying stretch the plot out is because the creators had a really hard time. The writers, that is Joel and the guys at, at the, MS3 T3K crowd had a hard time with this movie because um, the movie was pegged at a certain amount of time and it was less than what they thought. So I think they thought they were watching an hour and like 10 minutes, but it just kept moving. And they were getting really frustrated that here's this movie that really didn't advance the plot very well, but then they finally got to a point of, okay, well, I guess we could end the movie now, and nope, we're still going. Oh, God. It definitely is not like Lord of the Rings or Endgame, where you feel like it could end here, but you don't want it to, because there's still a few things to wrap up. Nope, this is the exact opposite. This is, this is a lot more like the Snyder Cut of DC, where you could have rolled the credits several times, but they just kept going so that's the first fun fact the next fun fact is that this film was a um sandy frank picture 
and they had a song about it and made fun of him. And it turns out that Sandy Frank hated being mocked by MS, the guys on the show, this episode in particular, so much so that he pulled the rights for his licensed movies to block any video or syndication release of the episode featuring them. But then Frank later admitted that he had no problem with the show mocking him. He was, in fact, quite happy that they did it because it raised the profiles of his movies. Um, so, kind of assuming this is true, kind of working at opposite ends there, I guess. The next thing he did was mail the creators of MST3K 500 of pounds worth of bricks, bricks. postage due. <laughs> that harlan ellison ah <laughs> uh, that guy so, i love that you knew what i was about to say before he even said it well i mean harlan ellison was a jerk but that was probably the biggest jerk move i think i've ever heard <laughs> sending 500 pounds of bricks for payment upon delivery <laughs> I mean, so yeah, that's that's worse than the time I heard someone cut a piece of sheet metal and put it into someone's sandwich. Wow. <laughs> or or another time where, um, let's see, there was that. Another time, a guy <laughs> he he mig welded someone's tools together and said, "Your tools are over there, man. I left them on a pile for you." <laughs> You so really uh, someone to do that <laughs> yeah i've i've heard some terrible things but um that, that, that the 500 pound brick one definitely takes the cake so the plot that we kept talking about them stretching out let me actually i, I will give a, a bit more of detail if that were possible but let me read the two because that I found online because they're worth mentioning. The normal one is trapped in a future where apes dominate the world. A boy, a girl, and a young woman try to find their way back to their own time with the help of a human rebel. Okay. That's not very exciting. So let me give you this one from, uh, from IMDb. Yes, this is from IMDb. Three flatulent, bubbling morons accidentally stumble into a cryogenic freezer and end up in the future where monkeys populate the Earth. <laughs> I don't know where the flatulence comes in, but I enjoy the effort. <laughs> but uh, what happens is there's a cryogenic lab and these two kids, for some God knows reason, are being shown around by one of the scientists named, what was it, Caroline, I think. And, um... Well, or not Caroline, but uh, oh, what was her name? Now I can't remember it. Whatever, Vanessa, whatever it is. Who cares? And non so, memorable scientist lady. Yeah. And while they're there, oh, and, and a bit of for easy foreshadowing, there's an earthquake at the beginning when the kids are still home. And in one of the best lines of the movie, the mother says to the boy, John, Johnny, maybe you should stay home. It's too dangerous. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. And he just runs away. I mean, I assume in Japanese that probably sounds less terrible. Like, I'm not worried. But they translated it as, I don't care. <laughs> I would love to forgive everything wrong with this film as bad dubbing, but I, I just can't. 
<laughs> no, you can Well, and and the guys make jokes about that throughout the movie. Just uh, he, Joel, look out, Johnny, look out. There's traps. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet you care now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, they get to the lab, and there's an earthquake, and they're looking at these cryogenic tubes, and they all get. Um, they all fall into their cryogenic tubes for protection and a rock just happens to hit a lever that freezes them all. They wake up in an era run by apes. They're hunted and they eventually wind up in Green Mountain where they meet a guy named uh, Godo who's a rebel and the apes are scared of him and then this Colonel Sanders looking leader shows up and takes <laughs> them and says he's going to take care of the three late the kids and the girl but Godo convinced manages to rescue them, I guess, and then they all decide. And there's an alien saucer the whole time watching them and saving them from the uh, ape army. And then they also catch a break when the ape army tries to um, fight back against the leader in a coup, and they fail. And then. Um, the leader begrudgingly lets them go into some bunker where they find where Godu, Goto, Godo, excuse me, disappears off into some desert and the two kids and the girl wake up to find out that the cryogenic freezer somehow time dimension traveled them. And by going back into the lab, they woke up. To quote Joel, or crow rather oh so this is stupider than you thought okay <laughs> and yeah it's really dumb and it just ends with them walking around japan like normal and wondering what happens to godo who's just wandering in a desert yeah i'm pretty sure godo dies we're guessing doesn't matter because either that or it's Tatooine and he's about to run into some jobs. Could be, could be. The point is, if you try to make heads or tails of this movie, good luck. Because the alien saucer also works for this company called like Emco or something. Qualcomm, and, and it's <laughs> fighting the apes, and they follow the alien saucer to the bunker. Yeah, and it just sat by and videoed as uh, the one army dude's wife and kid died. Oh, the cliff. Y- you know what? Let's we'll, we'll, we'll save this for 15 years before we tell him what happened. Yeah, let's get to rips and rips of the film. Hold on, hold on. I have a deep meaning. Oh, oh, please, please. In fact, don't they make a deep meaning? They in do. That? And it's the worst deep meaning I've ever seen. OK, well, how about do you have a separate one or is it the same one? Pretty much the same one, except okay, it ties into it. the end. But yeah. Okay, go um, for it. So according to this film, in a meaning that I completely do not agree with, but I believe that what this film is trying to tell you is that sentient, sapient beings of different cultures who are capable of communicating with each other will be so terrified and afraid of each other that they will instinctively, for the most part, hate each other and try to kill each other and never trust each other. So they each must live separately in their own countries with only their own people. That's what I believe the message of this film in 1987 is. Or 
it might be that if a scientist and two children were to try to dream their own ideal world into existence, it would be one where, again, sentient, sapient beings capable of communicating with each other and using advanced technology are so close-minded that they realize that the only way to live in peace is to live separately from each other in their own enclaves. It is possibly the worst message and meaning that I have ever seen a film try to send. It's horrible. It's not yes, even a deep is. meaning. This is kind of a deep meaning, but it's just me kind of just ripping on this film because I'm not sure what they were trying to say. That as humankind evolves backwards, de-evolves back into apes, that one day we'll be able to live together and get past our prejudices? Or that in the far-off future, when we evolve full circle back into apes at the height of our evolution, we'll still be unable to get past our prejudices? I don't know what this film's trying to say, but it's a horrible vision of the future. And I hate it. Well, what's funny, too, is the apes are driving around and just for a time that they're supposed to be, what, two, three thousand years in the future? They're driving around in cars that look suspiciously like the 1960s or 70s and 80s. And they're, <laughs> armed, kind of with, funny. they're armed with German Mausers and Manlisher Carcanos at best. And sometimes it's, they appear to have Civil War muskets and bayonets going on. It's clearly a case of, look, we didn't really have a budget, so we had to borrow people's, we had to borrow things from other studios and other people's cars. There is a. Um, the second episode that Q ever appears in, and I can't believe that it's uh, slipping my mind the name of an episode. But um, anyway, hide and Q, hide and Q. Mm-hmm. Um, Q transports Riker to an alien planet, and he creates an army for them to fight, and they call them vicious animal things, and um. They basically show up in old, like, Civil War, Napoleonic era, era uh, military equipment. And that's all I could think of watching this movie. Okay. That, that, that episode came out about the same time this movie was made. <laughs> Somehow. Oh. Somehow who stole from who? I could just say that's the only thing. And if you watch Next Gen in a joke, did it significantly better. I don't know where I'm going with that, but... Window into my messed up brain. Okay. Um, so that's a rip. That's a good rip. Mine would be the utter garbage meaning, not to mention the confusing mess of a storyline and bad dubbing. And uh, let's see, the alien saucer that's just added in there because it is. Yeah, you never really explain that. There's just an alien flying saucer that has a video camera and waits and waits till the worst possible time to finally set the dude straight as to who really killed his son. And is that another part of the deep meaning? That he killed his own wife and son because his own prejudice and racism wouldn't let him see that the human was trying to help them? No, it's not. It was just a dumb mistake and you... uh I mean, maybe, but you're, you're reaching deep. This whole, de- this whole <laughs> B-plot desperate. is terrible. That's like the whole B-plot at Officer versus Godot because Godot killed his family. But Godot didn't kill your family. Twist ending, you killed your family. <laughs> he was trying to save him and you killed him. 
Yeah. You're on candid camera. We've had this on CCC TV forever. We're just going to show it to you now. Don't <laughs> We're just going to show it to you now. Maury Povich Because it's convenient, to, it's convenient to the plot. <laughs> Bring in Maury. Our film records show, you are the killer. <laughs> Here's one. This things they create and bring up but never develop. So when they give them food, when the, that great leader brings the kids and the girl in, and Johnny tries to get the food, and he slaps on his hand, the leader slaps his hand and says, you cannot do that right now. You must eat like we do. First, you must thank the gods for this food. Oh, okay, so there's a religious component that we're never going to hear about again. So obviously, okay. when he leaves the room, he's still not allowed to eat. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, okay, so we're not going to explore this at all. He's just the leader. Got it. Uh, I can imagine okay. the actor was like, um, am I supposed to say more words here? Is there, if it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I also noticed how their choice of, of, of location reminded me a lot of a Star Trek a TOS setting. Yeah. Where it's like, well, gee, we need a forest, so just drive to the nearest woods. What's that? What's that? There's kids in the background playing? And eh, we'll just work around them. This is 1987. This is one of my rips. This is 1987. Six. 86. Colonel Sanders is very recognizable at this point in time. Still you is. You can't tell me that you didn't realize that you made your villain look like Colonel Sanders wearing a gorilla mask. I, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, all he had to do was sit there and say that they can't get to Green Mountain because that's where my secret 11 herbs and spices recipe is. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't make that joke. <laughs> but yes. Um, I think we basically, uh, unless you have another one, I think we've ripped it enough. I want to get to some of the best picks, picks of the rips. Um, you know what? I had another rip and I just completely Go. forgot it. So when it comes back to me, I will. Okay. Say. We'll dip back in. So speaking of TOS, there's a scene where the kid comes in and he sees a super at the beginning and sees a computer and goes, look at that computer. It's fantastic. And their response is it's cardboard. <laughs> Or um, when they first, they're about to go see a monkey unfrozen. And, uh, oh, how does he say it? Let me think. Uh, so he's about to take him to see the weight. Uh, <laughs> oh, and he says, the doctor says, oh, well, we're about to unfreeze a monkey. Come, I'll show you something fascinating. And they finish the sentence with, for a change. <laughs> Uh, and then when they're, um, gowning up and masking up to see the unfreezing process, seems like a lot of work to go through to make an ego frozen waffle, doesn't it? <laughs> what did they call the UFO? They call it, look, it's a flying pie tin or something or an yeah. bell. S speaking of that scene where Godo saves the mom and daughter and he shows them the video, that general. Aside from the horrible acting of the general, after his show finishes the video, <laughs> hurts, don't it? Well, bye now. <laughs> <laughs> He's a monkey and he can't hold on to a rope. 
yeah yeah exactly or when they're like going on that bridge it's good to have opposable thumbs isn't it how do you get his opposable foot up on that shelf yeah or when they're on the bridge and they make an indiana jones reference prepare to meet kali in hell there were so many times that I I had to look twice because the dubbing for this was so bad that I couldn't tell if it was um, MST3K or mm-hmm. if it was the actual dubbing for the movie. And that's fantastic. Wow. I mean, that, that's just great when I can't tell the difference. I think oh. my favorite running gag was, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not afraid of everyone. I have a knife. I don't care. I'm going to say. The, when they talk about the cryogenic tubes, first of all, they compared him to Daleks from yes. Doctor Who. Exterminate. 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 But also when they're describing what they do, it keeps the hot side hot and the cold side cold. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry. I, missed, I got in your way. What were you saying? No, 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 no. I was going to say the same thing. That's that's fantastic. Um, I was gonna say though. Um, I feel like the later episodes when they hit the laughs hit harder, mm-hmm. and the later episodes didn't date themselves as much. Uh, there was a Roseanne yeah. reference in here, right? Uh, I love the skits when they're talking about the cellulite phone, and it's got a direct connection to Richard Simmons for Deal Yeah. Deal. <laughs> yeah. So. Th- the skits, the skits in this one were significantly better. What they did yeah. in between the shows, I felt, were better than Scopes the ones we watched. Monkey Trial. With, yeah, with mon- the fashion sequence. Oh my, he's on the Cornelius line. <laughs> 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 and then uh, the trial, the cellulite phone. I'm going to order these pizzas from Domino's. It tells you this is a bad idea. Tells you what you shouldn't <laughs> do. Um, but, and then I felt that... Um, but I felt that the jokes within the film in the later MST3K series hit better when they hit. But I feel that the jokes they were it's more even throughout the film in in this one. Uh, the jokes are constant in this one, and not as many miss. But I don't think, if I'm being very critically honest, um, that any of them hit as hard as some of the jokes. Nothing here was as good as like Stone McPunch Fist. Yeah, I think, I think, um, and that pans out. The show really took off, honestly, after Mike Nelson became the the guy. Because what happens in the skit was that um, Mike Nelson is a temp, and he shows up in the episode uh, Mitchell, in the movie Mitchell, and he walks up to Joel and goes, Hi, I'm the temp helping you clean up here. Could you sign my card that I worked here? <laughs> And then eventually, after that, they eventually Mike takes over. I, I'm not sure why Joel, like Joel, makes a cameo now and then, but for the most part, it, um, for whatever reason, it took off more with Mike. I don't know why. Maybe for those reasons you mentioned, it hit um, harder when it hit. I didn't have yeah. big belly laughs in this one, and that's while true. I chuckled more often. And I felt that overall, the quality of the jokes were more even. When, when the later episodes with Mike Nelson, when those jokes hit, they hit really hard. 
Yeah. And I was okay with them missing for five straight minutes because then they would just make me crack up over something. And yeah, right. I didn't have any laugh out loud crack up moments in this film. This is true. This I is true. I laughed. But... I had a lot of chuckle moments, but nothing that really made me laugh, laugh, and is memorable. I'm struggling to remember picks from this. I know it was even. I know what I thought while I was watching it, and I'm saying it now. But if you want me to come up with a memorable laughing moment to talk about right now as a pick, it's escaping me. It could be because it's late and it's been a long day and it's okay. Midnight, well, but it's still well, I. Me. I'll throw out a few more. Um, there's a scene where the doctor says, we've had some underground se- seismic shifts. Oh, you mean like an earthquake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or that was, that was when, a good one. A little when they show all the apes and he's like, look, it's a whole planet of Ron Perlman's. <laughs> I do remember that one. Um, That's what which, I mean by even. Lots of even little laughs. Yeah. Or I like when the kids trying to fight back in the commander's I like you. I'm going to kill you last. <laughs> yes. Um, just trying to think here. I, I, I took a, little, a few notes of ones that I think uh, that it, they were the best for me. But yeah, I am. A, I do agree with you. Um, well, that would have been that, smart to take notes instead of relying on my memory, which is fading yeah. as I get older. Oh, when they find that house. With the apes that help humans. Johnny with the owl. Malibu Mansion. Yeah, his Malibu Mansion, but they poke a hole in the door. Aside from reminding me of the Simpsons episode where Homer just walked through all the rice paper doors. It's, hi, I'm from First Alert. Don't let this happen to you. Paper windows just aren't safe. <laughs> um, which, by the way, the, um, the kid in that, the, the kid ape with the white face kept, give a hoot. They kept calling her the owl. That was my rip. That was my other rip. Okay. This is post Star Wars holiday special. And you came up with a onset character and creature that is both creepier and less likable than Chewie's kid. All I could think about is this is Chewie's kid, but worse. Yeah, oh, yeah, he was lumpy. You know, you mentioned, Scott, that it wasn't as dated as under Mike, but I don't know. Here's a few I remembered that were dated or extremely, you have to know. For example, there's a scene where they say, oh, thank you, Hanuman. Can we eat now? Because And they call the leader Hanuman, which is an Indian gorilla god. Oh, but no, I said know this that, one's more dated. Funny. This one's more dated. Mike Nelson was uh, oh, less dated. Okay, for sure. Or the, are those monkey boy jeans you're wearing? Yes. Which, again, I thought was funny because I've seen the Bugle Boy commercial and grew up with it. But if yes. you have no idea, Sickies, if you have no idea, go to YouTube and type in, are those Bugle Boy jeans you're wearing? But the fact that you have to do the homework to get the joke means it's not funny. There's a Roseanne reference. Yeah. Or he looks like Teddy Ruxpin up close. Again, if you don't know who Teddy Ruxpin is, this doesn't work. Um, is he, is he going to say he spilled Nair on his face? Funny. You know, like when, when Godot shaved, it's like, is he going to say he spilled Nair on his face? <laughs> Funny if you know what that is. Or Neil Pert on drums as a f- big fan of Rush. I thought that was hilarious. But again, you have to know that. 
there's a, a joke about Saddam Hussein's elite Republican guard, but again, did you? This was made during the Gulf War. Very funny. Not anymore, you know. Um, or the scene where the the lumpy's mom gives him a hug, and they're like, and she's wearing that plaid shirt, and they're like, Brawny wants his shirt back. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, but you have to know what Brawny is. Um, it's it it's really um. They made uh, a lot of Dukes of Hazard references when they were running around. Well, I guess it's time for them Duke boys to get into some trouble. Or, well, it's about time that the old eight boys got themselves in a heap of trouble over at Cooter's place. See, yeah, they, were picking nits off each, they were picking nits off each other and, well, <laughs> or the Inigo Montoya reference. It's um, the I'm going to go rent faces of death. These were all super funny to me. Um, but it just, you gotta, you gotta, it's gotta land with you. And that's why for someone younger, it's this episode, unless you're laughing at the movie, the jokes won't land as well. Whereas under Mike Nelson, you can listen to space mutiny and, you know, punch rock groin. There you go. That you, there are no references. It's just funny. So, um, or when you know, it's gonna blow, if this explosion is of any indication, this movie's gonna blow, <laughs> you know. Whereas this, it's I, I enjoyed it, but it definitely had very specific humor, which, well, it happens. With that in mind, unless Scott's got anything else, I think it's about time to rate it. How many bad ape costumes? Unless you got anything, Scott. You know, I actually don't. I feel bad because it's going to be a short review. I just, this movie is just bad and there's just well, not that much to discuss here. The humor's funny if you get it, but the movie itself is horrible. It's, um, even, it's so horrible, it's hard to rip. It's not even a movie that you can rip very well. Because you can't follow it. And again, it. it I enjoyed Space Mutiny because it was so bad it was good. Except for the Nichelle Nichols hula hoop scene. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which is conjuring up images for Scott who's now going to go <laughs> Sorry. Because <laughs> as Scott calls it, it's not the final frontier. It's Star Trek V. Dear God, why? I was actually Dear- thinking that I almost... I- Almost jutted in in the first like two seconds. This after I said the episode title, dear God, why? Well, which would you rather watch, this or Star Trek Five? Star Trek Five every day. I thought so. Star, not even so. close. Well, because you said there were moments that were good in that. If you go back, sickies, and listen to that episode, there are some highlight points he has. Like at the beginning, the farmer, why are you you're willing to shoot me over a field of holes? all i have yeah there there were if he just could have stayed on plot but that's different that's anyway we're getting off top because we're trying to go back to something that will be better um but anyway i'll I'll lead on this one actually i was in the middle of sorry until i derailed myself so normally i don't do that but so anyway the jokes are great if you get them but unfortunately they're dated 
the movie, but you take that out and the movie itself, normally I like B movie train wrecks, but this I can't even follow. And as I said, I thought the costumes were great until I realized what year it was and thought, oh God, in 1986, that was the best you could do. And it just, and the story doesn't make sense. It meanders around. It doesn't develop well. And then it just comes down to, oh, well, it was somehow cryogenic time travel, yada, yada, yada. That was probably thought to be a very profound twist, but just winds up being a very profound miss. Um, so the film itself, I'm going to rate it one. One bad ape costume. As far as the uh, MS3T3K episode, I'll give it a six or seven because just because even though I thought the jokes were funny, they're very referential or very dated. There's there are some good ones in there, like you know, what a great computer! It's fascinating. It's cardboard. You don't need to have anything there. That's just funny. But a lot of the other big jokes are very referential or very time specific. And will not go over anybody who is too old or too young. So there it is, Scott. All right, I'm going to give the movie zero bad ape costumes. And I have said this before, but I mean it this time. This film should not pass a college film um, project. Oh, no. No. I mean, and it's not because the costumes look like you raided the Spirit Halloween store on the discount rack. Um, it is because you failed to do simple things like finish scenes. You started a scene telling the kid what he has to do to eat and then just forgot about it. You have a alien UFO flying around, which is supposedly building to something, but is just there in the end to be basically delivering some CCTV. Uh, you are the killer Mori Povich type of stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure who the villain is, because Colonel Sanders isn't the villain. He's kind of another hero. Um, the army officer is supposed to be your villain, but then his motivation is removed, and and then you know, okay, so he's just gone. That resolution is terrible. I mean, no explanation of where Godo comes from. No, and and you don't really believe any of his pain when he realizes he killed his wife and his son. Um. We don't know where Godot goes to. We don't know where he comes from. We don't. We don't really. We never are really explained why no one can get to Green Mountain. Um, and then there's just things that are anachronistic. You're in the future, but everyone's driving cars from that are old when the movie was made in 1986. You're in the future, but the army looks like it's equipped with kit that's two generations out of date or three at the time the movie was made. Um. You, you have a coup that is put down by a threatening speech. When in the history of the world has a military coup in process yeah. been put down by the leader saying, I'll give you one chance to stop this at gunpoint? And what's the point of the coup other than just to waste time? Yes. What is UCOM? What were they doing? What was the point of any of it? Why is the pendant back? So that they can just know that Godu did exist? What, what did you film that last scene where they're walking through the streets of Japan eating ice cream on? It literally, I've seen better stuff in 
Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman in, <laughs> filmed in the 50s or the 40s. I've seen more realistic stuff. Abraham Zapruder had a higher quality film undoctored. Um, this is just rock bleep this out. This is shot. Plain and simple. Dear God, it's horrible. I don't even under, I, I can't even, I did read something that said that Sandy Frank basically spliced together a bunch of films called Army of Dark, Army of Apes, which was based on a series that ran from 75 to 76 in Japan called Time of Apes. I, I heard that yeah. too. So it kind of makes sense maybe why things weren't finished. Because it spliced together partially finished movies that everybody else said, this sucks. We're not going to make it. And Sandy Frank said, oh, hold my beer. But um, the MST3K thing, um, I'll give it a five. It's, it's, it's very average for this type of, you know, live watch poke. Well, it's not even live, but this type of poking fun at the movie as you watch the movie. I felt that it was, it was average. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. Um, and it shows you, I think, why, it, you know, if this is par for the course for the early films and it, it is an average episode, then it shows you why the series was better in the later episodes after Mike Nelson took over. So we're pretty close on that, actually. Uh, not too far apart. They, but we both agree the movie was awful. And MS3TK was funny, but not their best. So... Um, so with that in mind, feel free to look at our other fine shows on Raving Lunatic Media. Like I said, about a week ago, a supplemental of Zodiac Task Force released, Good Cop, Bad Cop, Nicto Cop, which I've listened to twice now, and I did not write it. It was written by our lovely editor and chief Ruck, and boy, is it a fun, fun episode to listen to. Team Nikto Squad, you are the new superstars of Zodiac Task Force, let me just say. Uh, but not to be outdone, Cold Casatorium uh, is back with The Watcher. Very good episode. Just listen to that myself. It is not Uatu, but it is equally interesting. And keep, in, uh, keep checked in for the Casatorium for Case Closed, Cross-Examination, Cold Case Chase, and of course case of the chills where one day i hope to hear about a haunted elevator and of course you got you can check all these things out on spotify you can go to our discord channel raving lunatic media to get more information or you can also go to i'm too tired to do the fake email address or fake web address ravinglunaticmedia.com 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 i can't scream because everyone in my house is sleeping and it's 12 30 rage master what's left for them to do stay sick sickies